This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Today's episode of the Moranalytics Podcast is brought to you by Paul Cellular. Paul Cellular was created to give a better option for everyone looking for premium wireless phone service for less cost with straightforward plans, no strings attached, no confusing fine print. Paul strives to be the best value in wireless while supporting their customers with the service that they deserve and that they expect. Their mission's quite simple, to provide the best user experience possible for everyday life. They got you covered nationwide in the U.S. with unlimited talk, text, and premium, fast LTE data plans, Hotspot coverage with no additional cost in all 50 states and the U.S. Caribbean regions with additional coverage available in both Canada and Mexico. Plans also include unlimited free Wi-Fi calls internationally when calling U.S. lines and unlimited text and data across 210 countries. There are no credit checks. There are no contracts. There are no overage costs. You could just live life and focus on you. Life is better with Pulse. If you're a loser, tune in and you'll be a winner. It's the Moranalytics Podcast. Talking Buffalo sports, Yankees, WWE, 80s music, and pop culture. And now, here's your host, Patrick Moran. All right, what's going on, podcast fans? How you doing? What's up? Welcome to episode number 120 of the Moranalytics podcast presented by Pulse Cellular. Today is Friday, May 17th. Happy belated birthday, mama. Thank you as always for listening, for downloading. If you have not yet subscribed to this podcast, please go ahead and do so. Coming up on today's show... I'll be joined by NFL blogger and social media star, Lindsay O'K. Lindsay's based in Maryland near Baltimore. And we talk about a bunch of topics, including what got her interested in blogging. If she grew up a football fan, her experience working with NFL Hall of Famer, Ed Reed. We talk about the Baltimore Ravens, including her take on the Joe Flacco trade. Joe Flacco's her favorite quarterback of all time. I get her take on Lamar Jackson, his rookie season last year. And we talk about... Some of their offseason movement, which was a very, very busy offseason for the Ravens. We run down some of the comings and goings there. We also shoot the shit about in sync. I ask her about dudes who are trying to constantly slide all up in her DMs, stuff like that. We also address a past controversy that she was involved with. Much more great interview. I'll tell you what, I like Lindsay a lot. She's really good people. I think you're going to enjoy this interview for sure. Not so much good people, my man Joe, but he's going to join me afterwards anyway for another installment of The Running With Joe. Today, we 
you know what? We both kind of shit on hockey a little bit in favor of the NBA. We've discussed that. I bring up a tweet that I put out earlier this week that pissed off a lot of Buffalo Sabre fans. We talk about Game of Thrones as, guess what, folks? We finally have reached the end. The final episode of the series ever airs this Sunday night. We go through some of the misses that Thrones has had over this last final season, as well as some of the hits. And we both have final predictions before Joe wraps up the segment with his finisher. This week is a take on new Sabres head coach, Ralph Kruger. Going to have both of those for you in just a minute. For that, though, a few quick things, then we'll get this going. Joe, like I said, he's got a quick take on the Sabres hiring Ralph Kruger. Next week on Tuesday's show, I'll deep dive much deeper into his hire. I'll book a hockey guest. So I have someone on who knows what they're talking about a lot more than I do. Like I said, we'll break down Kruger. We'll talk about the Sabres roster going forward, what Jason Bottrell might do over these next couple weeks and months, stuff like that. So I'll get a hockey guy on for Tuesday's show. It won't be just about hockey, but we'll definitely have hockey talk on Tuesday. And then next Friday, I'll tell you what, if you're a regular listener to this podcast, you know, a couple weeks ago, I had on former American Idol star, Elliot Yamin. It was something that I wanted to do for a long time. I've always said, I don't want this podcast to be 100% exclusively about sports and nothing else. Elliot was the first reality TV singer I've ever had on the show. And Friday is going to be the second because I have, just like Elliot, by the way, was my favorite American Idol contestant ever. My favorite voice contestant ever. And I think it's like 16 seasons or something like that. Now, Matthew Schuler from season five. That dude was absolutely freaking phenomenal. Anyway, I reached out to his people and he's going to be on the podcast next Friday. We'll talk about his season on The Voice, what he's done before, since, everything like that. Christina Aguilera was his coach's mentor during his run. We'll talk about her, all kinds of fun stuff. So that'll be next Friday. And then one last thing too, I got to wish a happy anniversary to my favorite thing ever. And that's not any of you people. It's my favorite TV show ever, The Office. Yesterday, actually, technically it was on Thursday, was the six-year anniversary of the finale of The Office. It's the greatest TV show ever. People are always telling me, trying to change my mind, save your breath because it's never going to happen. I don't want to hear about The Wire. I don't want to hear about Thrones. I don't want to hear about The Sopranos, Breaking Bad, anything else. The Office is the best TV show of all time. And six years ago, right at this time, the finale aired. So happy anniversary to The Office. Oh, one other thing too. I got to get serious here for a second. Coming up at the very end of the show, I I don't want to get into it now because I'll struggle really, really hard to be able to keep my emotions in check. So I really like to save this for the end of the podcast today. I'm going to have a couple thoughts that I want to share on Ezra Castro, aka, of course, Poncha Bilia, passing away this week from cancer. He was a man that I considered not just a friend, but by the way, he was someone, and again, if you are a longtime listener to this podcast, you already know this. Pancho was on this podcast as a featured guest, not just once. He did it twice. And I just, I loved talking to that man so much, so much. And I'll save it for the end. Like I said, my little ode to Pancho Bilia will be at the end of this show. I want to Keep it together right now, okay? So so on that note, let's bang into today's podcast. It's a good one. First up, I got an interview with the lovely Lindsay O'Kay, followed immediately by The Running With Joe. 
Okay, my guest today is a blogger who writes mostly, but not exclusively, about the Baltimore Ravens. She also has a formidable presence on social media. We'll talk about that much more. I'm joined right now by Lindsay O.K. What's up, Lindsay? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. I've wanted to have you on the show for quite a while now, but our schedules just did not seem to match up at the right time. So it's been a while, but whatever. I got you on now and I'm kind of pumped about this. Yeah, I know we got like wrapped up in like the draft and everything like that. So yeah, but I'm happy to finally be on and finally be checking this off the list. Yeah, definitely. And we'll definitely spend a little bit of time talking about the Baltimore Ravens. Before that, though, I want to spend a few minutes giving fans an opportunity to get to know a little bit more about you. You're from the Baltimore area, correct? Did you grow up around there? Yeah, I'm from Annapolis and I live in that area now. So were you born and raised there? Yeah. Well, and I went, I, so I went to college in Baltimore and I spent most of my like young adult life up there. And I moved like back down to like the quieter, like Annapolis area in the past, like two years. So as a kid growing up, were you always a big football fan? Did that start for you really young or was that something that kind of happened for you as you got older in your teenage years? So my dad actually is like a diehard Cowboys fan. Oh, so, really? Yeah, so I, um, and this is like, uh, the Ravens were, came to light in 96. So when I was like, just still a kid, um, I was like into ballet and into dance and all that stuff. So like, I wasn't really into football. I started to get like really into it probably about when I was in my late teens, early twenties, I guess you'd say. Were you a town girl? Were you athletic? Were you like a little princess as a kid? What was little young Lindsay like? Um, I was a kid that my mom will tell this story to anybody like any day of the week, how when I like learned to crawl, I walked on like my hands and feet like I wouldn't let my knees touch the ground because I didn't want to get my clothes dirty. <laughs> <laughs> All righty then. What got, what, what so, got you? Yeah. Go ahead. Go ahead. That... No, I was like, so like that tells you all you need to know right there. <laughs> what got you interested in blogging, particularly like sports blogging? So I, um, I actually got my start in this industry. I, um, I interned for Ed Reed, which was like huge for me. That's, he's like my favorite football player of all time. And just like, he is, um, honestly like the, one of the coolest people and like the realest people that I've ever met in my entire life. And I just kind of like networked and met some cool people and I found like what I was good at and I found my niche and I did, various things for other people. I was on like a Ravens podcast a couple of years ago. Um, I had written for USA Today, specifically the Ravens. And um, I don't know, I just kind of, I ended up getting like a huge following on social media. And I just figured that I didn't want anybody telling me what to do. I didn't want to answer to anybody. I didn't want anybody saying to me, like, you can't say this, or you should say that instead. Like, I kind of wanted to do my own thing. So that's kind of where I am now. And it's working. So I think one of your strengths, and I've been reading your stuff for a while now, one of your strengths is that you don't seem to take yourself like overly serious when you blog. Your your posts aren't always just about X's and O's and shit like that. You have a sense of humor that you incorporate into your post and you're extremely opinionated. I'm assuming that's a conscious effort of yours and that you've always been that person who has no problem saying or writing whatever it is that's on their mind without worrying too much about what other people are going to say and that they're going to think about it. Am I correct with that? 
yeah, I mean, like you said, I don't take myself overly seriously. Um, I take it seriously to a point where if I'm going to say anything, it's going to be from me. It's going to be authentic. And I mean, I've been a part of things in the past, and I'm not going to mention any names, but it would be like, we have to have a debate. So I want you to, even if you don't think this way, I want you to pretend that you think this way just because I think this other way and we need to have a debate about it. Do you, do you know what I'm saying? Sure, sure. If you hear anything from me, it's going to be exactly, I mean, to a point of like what I think. Um, and obviously, like I'm going to pick stories. I'm going to pick things that like people are interested in. I'm going to pick like the controversial topics. I'm going to pick the things that are going to get a response. I'm going to pick the things that are go- that might get people fired up. But at the end of the day, what you hear from me is pretty much going to be my take on it. Yeah, you're not afraid to put your receipt on it, so to speak. That, right. that, that, that's definitely a good attitude. And those are the kind of people that I like to read. I'm with Lindsay OK, NFL blogger. I want to talk a little Ravens with you. But before that, and I'm not going to get into specifics, so to speak, because that's not what this podcast is all about. Plus, it's old news, really old news at this point. But if I didn't at least bring this up, I know critics are just going to overshadow anything else that we talk about for the remainder of this interview. Several years ago, and I do mean at this point, several years ago, when you were self-admittedly young and dumb, you had a handful of what we'll just leave as insensitive, very insensitive tweets, okay? I liken it very much, and Buffalo Bills fans listening will know exactly what I'm talking about. To Buffalo Bills quarterback Josh Allen, who when he was young had some similarly boneheaded tweets that for a time got him into some shit, to be frank with you. Now, obviously, since fans and people have gotten to know the real Josh Allen, know what he's all about, they've really come to like him. Just like a similar case with people like yourself. They got to know the people who know the real Lindsay, know what you're really all about, that you're good people. And I'm not trying to, by the way, dismiss anything that you tweeted in the past or and I'm sure you're not going to either, but let, let me go here with this, okay? I think past mistakes, we all make them in life. That includes myself, anyone out there listening as well, because let's face it, none of us are perfect. But we can help prevent others from doing the same and making the same mistakes that we do. I'm sure there's a nice contingent of younger listeners listening to this interview right now. Maybe they're high school athletes or something, and they want to grow up to be the next Josh Allen, or maybe there's an aspiring blogger or sports writer out there who wants to be like you. You know what I'm saying? What advice can you offer them in regards to guarding against being young and dumb, especially on social media? Because as we know, Twitter can be an amazing thing, but it could be an absolutely awful thing as well. And you know plenty about both. Oh yeah, totally. Um, back when like I said those things, it was like social media wasn't used as it is now. It wasn't really used as a news outlet. It wasn't really used as something that people can just give their opinions to. It was more like me and my friends used it to like, you know, tweet funny jokes that we said to each sure, other that we sure. thought this were fun that that was funny. And I mean, obviously, like it's it was funny to us then maybe, but I mean, it's in con like in context, it was different. And obviously without that other context there, then anybody can put their own spin on it. So my advice to those people is just to be smarter. 
obviously back then I had no idea that I would be where I am now. I had no idea that I would, you know, have the following I do now. I had no idea that this was even what I wanted to do as my job. And I had no idea that I was going to be somebody who people seeked out my opinion. So my advice would just be to be smarter. I mean, anybody can dig up something from your past, regardless if you are a sports reporter, if you're a blogger, if you are a model, if you are an actor, like you just have to be smarter about what you put on the internet. And like the internet is something, I mean, even I I was talking to my friends the other day about like cyber bullying and everything. Like, I don't know if I would have been able to make it through high school nowadays because I mean, people can just take, put their spin on anything and use it against you. So I mean, you just have to be smarter. And I'm not saying you shouldn't put your opinion out there. I'm not saying that you shouldn't, you know, be somebody like me when I just talked about like not being afraid to say what you actually think. I'm not saying don't do that, but you have to be smarter about what you say and the way you have to think about how other people in your life, like your personal relationships would take that in relation to you. Oh, absolutely. And I'm not defending any old tweets that you have out there. And I'm sure you're not trying to defend your tweets either from back in the day like that. I consider it kind of a teaching tool and it's important because people have to be careful that they can be with their friends and you're, especially when you're younger clowning around with your friends, your teenager and, and, you know, saying stupid shit as a joke or whatever have you. And it could get easily taken out of context. I mean, I gotta be honest with you. I'm older now. I can't imagine had I grown up in the, in the social media era, the way I was with my friends and my friends were with me, my black friends and Puerto Rican friends and other minority friends, the way we busted each other's balls in school and in the playground and stuff like that. I can't imagine had there been Twitter, some of the things I probably would have said that I thought were funny and and trying to be funny and joking around, it would have got blown up. Ken, who knows what would have happened back during that era for me. But anyway, I think the whole thing is, is that it's a teaching tool for younger people out there, be careful what you say because it can easily get taken out of context and it could get really ugly for you and create a bad situation real quick. I'm sure you would agree with that. Oh, for sure. And like, I'm going like off of that. Like it's, it mean it, it's a good thing to grow as a person. Sure. Like, I mean, those were, those were a good nine, 10 years ago. Like I have grown so much since then. Sure. And like that, like that's a lesson to everybody. Like you're not, you're not the same person that you were nine, 10 years ago. And that's not a bad thing. Yep. That's spot on. You said it perfect. Nothing else needs to be said about that. Let's move on and talk Baltimore Ravens. Okay. At least for a few minutes here. The big move is that they traded Joe Flacco to Denver this off season. Of course, Flacco had been the Ravens quarterback for the last 11 years, won a Super Bowl, but still was, I, I would call him at least somewhat embattled the whole is Joe Flacco elite debates and jokes and stuff like that. It's been going on for years. I know that Lindsay okay is, was, will always be a huge Joe Flacco fan. I have to imagine that that was kind of heartbreaking for you. Um, yes and no. I kind of disagreed with a lot of the Ravens decisions in the past couple of years. I mean, they went entirely defense in a draft where like offense was so, so lacking. And, I don't know. I just kind of feel like they hung him out to dry a little bit. So I was kind of glad to see him go somewhere where, I mean, they drafted Noah Fant in round one. Like that's the exact guy that like Joe Flacco needs. So I don't know. I was kind of happy for him to kind of get out of here and kind of get like a a change of scenery a little bit. And I, I mean, I hope he does well. 
But um, I mean, it's, it's, it is hard to see a guy that has been the face of your team for the past 10 years go somewhere else. So do you think in some regards that he might've gotten kind of a, a bum rap? And by that, I mean this, okay. Like when I was growing up with the bills, like Jim Kelly, now he's a hall of famer. He's a legend, but I remember very much at the time he couldn't win the big one. And by the way, Joe Flacco did win a super bowl, but it's like people in Buffalo didn't appreciate Jim Kelly fully until he was gone, until he wasn't playing for them anymore, until he retired. You think that's kind of the case with Flacco where everyone knows you know, he's a, he was a very good quarterback and again, a Super Bowl champion, but it's like years probably down the road, people are going to look back and realize how important he was to that franchise. Yeah, I mean, I definitely see that. Like a lot of people don't realize it now, like in the moment, but it is so, 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 so hard. I cannot stress that enough to have a franchise quarterback for 10 years. Sure. That is that is so rare. You know, Very. I mean, you see teams like the Browns. When's the last time they had a franchise quarterback before Baker Mayfield? It was like 20 years. You know, right. I mean, it's and so many so many teams are like that. The Bills even. What are your thoughts on what you've seen so far after one rookie season of Lamar Jackson? Obviously, a completely different quarterback from Joe Flacco that requires a completely different type of offense. Um, so this is like a tough topic for me because a lot of people automatically think I, because he took Joe's place and because I'm such a Joe girl that like, I automatically hate Lamar Jackson, right. which is not yeah. the case. Yeah. You know, it's not like everything I say about Lamar is fair, is fair. It's warranted and it's deserved. I mean, I think he, he definitely has a lot of work to do. Um, he needs to get better at throwing. He needs to quit the fumbling. That's like 16 fumbles in like the amount of games he played is ridiculous. Like that should not happen. I don't care who you are. And I mean, it's just a lot of his flaws were masked because they were winning last year and because they got to the playoffs. And I think it's going to be an eye opening experience for the Ravens next year. It's going to be interesting for them for sure. You know, not even counting Joe Flacco being traded. It was a very memorable offseason with lots of players coming and going. They lost C.J. Mosley, a very talented linebacker. That had to hurt. And then they also lost Eric Weddle and Terrell Suggs, which, I listen, I understand those guys are past their prime. They're not the same players that they once were. But even Eric Weddle and Terrell Suggs not being the same player they were four or five years ago, it's still a lot of leadership to lose, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, and especially like it's it's fine if like maybe like they let CJ Mosley walk and kept like Weddle and Suggs another year. Like that's cool. Like you can easily replace like one guy, but three like key guys like that, that's really hard to do, especially uh, in a year, especially maybe even a, in a year or two. And I know they got Earl Thomas, but you still have the injury factor there. Like, I mean, sure. he's not you can't count on, you can't rely on him 100%. And if you, if you're saying that you're relying on him 100%, then you're lying to yourself. By the way, they also did lose, which I don't think affects them too much. Wide receiver, John Brown. In fact, he went to the Buffalo Bills, a team that I primarily cover on this podcast. They did add a good running back in Mark Ingram. I think he's definitely going to help the offense. And you already talked about Earl Thomas, elite safety potential, but yeah, he's definitely an injury concern. That's for sure. Let's turn our attention quickly to the draft. I think that the Ravens went into the draft knowing that they needed to get some help at wide receiver from Lamar Jackson. And that's what they did, or at least they tried to address anyway. In the first round, 25th overall, they took Marquise Brown from Oklahoma. Very smallish receiver. 
but really quick kind of has that Tyreek Hill skill set. And I'm not talking about any of the off-field domestic stuff. I'm talking about on-field. He's that type of player. And then in the fourth round, they went and got Miles Boykin, who's a very big wide receiver from Notre Dame. It became apparent to me that they realized that they need to get Lamar Jackson some more weapons. I mean, yeah, I get it. Like, I love I love Marquise Brown as a player, but I mean, you went out and got a deep threat receiver for a quarterback who cannot throw deep right now. Like, that just doesn't make sense to me. I mean, I get where they're going, and then, like, you can go back to Flacco and say if, like, you could throw out the, if the Baltimore drafted like this when Flacco was still there, then Flacco might still be there, is just kind of what I think anyways. Sure. But... I don't know. I think I think they made some good decisions. I think they they needed a better. I I had them picking um, Bradbury from North Carolina State. They've needed a center since Matt Burke left. They mm-hmm. haven't had a guy. They let Ryan Jensen walk, who I agree like wasn't like a top tier center. They could have done better, but they never replaced him either. So I mean, in order for Lamar Jackson to do anything, whether it's throwing to Marquise Brown, whether it's handing off to Mark Ingram, whether it's running himself, like they need to have a solid offensive line. And the story in Baltimore for the past probably, I mean, you could go back four or five seasons has been the offensive line has just shifted nonstop and it, you haven't gotten any like any reliability there at all. So I could have, I would have liked to seen them take some offensive line rather than what they did. But I mean, I don't think they had a bad draft. Right. I just think like some of the decisions they made could have been better. Well, let me say this as a complete outsider who does not cover the team, your knowledge of the team is way more than mine. I see them from the outside looking in as a team that they'll be interesting. I I could see them being in the mix for a division title, certainly won't be the favorites. They're not going to be a Super Bowl contender this year. I don't think anyway. I mean, every year there's a few surprises and you never know. But I'll tell you this, and this shocks me, but when I look at the AFC North, every year it's always the Baltimore Ravens or the Pittsburgh Steelers. One of them, right now, I look at the AFC North, and I can't believe I'm saying this, but the Cleveland Browns might be favored to win this division right now. Am I right here? Yeah, I mean, I think I I can see it kind of both ways. I think the Browns are a little bit overhyped right now just because they are the Browns and you haven't been able to to kind of confidently say that they're going to do something. Yeah, they got to prove it. Right. right. And um, but I mean, if you're looking at Lamar Jackson, he's the third worst quarterback in the division right now. I mean, you've got Ben Roethlisberger and Baker Mayfield are the top two, regardless of where you're going to put them. I'm going to put Ben first and then Baker. Um, but then like Lamar Jackson, Andy Dalton's Andy Dalton, like we can just push him aside. He doesn't mean anything, but, um, hey, but I'll mean, tell you what, real quick though, <laughs> it's funny you say that and you're right by the way, but Andy Dalton is huge in Buffalo only because that touchdown pass in the fourth quarter at the end, that last game in 2017 to beat Baltimore, put the bills in the yeah. playoffs for the first time in 17 years. But yes, you're a hundred percent. Yeah. But I mean, as far as play goes, like, you know what I'm saying? Sure. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I mean, in order and in order to, I mean, Pittsburgh did lose a lot this year uh, in Antonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell and all that, but they're still the Steelers. They still play the Ravens hard every single time. And you, even with Ben Rothers, Ben Roethlisberger being hurt every three weeks, like he, they're still going to be a contender. They're still my favorite for, I think the division right now. Um, but I mean, the Browns, they can definitely swoop in there and take it. Like I'm not counting them out at all. Sure. 
I'll tell you, man, Pittsburgh Baltimore has always been one of my favorite fun rivalries to watch through the years. Just such physical, fun football to watch. I want to wrap up with a couple non football things here, though, right? I've followed your Twitter. I've been following you on Twitter for quite a while. I enjoy it. You entertain me. I learned some stuff from you <laughs> along the way. I'll tell you one thing's for sure, and this is totally why me and you could definitely be BFFs, man. You're a big InSync fan. I fucking love yeah. InSync. I'm pretty sure I still have a VHS tape of them. Uh, an MSG. In fact, I know I do. It's somewhere in my house right now. I got a couple tapes of them, man. I love NSYNC. Why do you love NSYNC? So I, NSYNC's like my favorite. Like they were like one of my first concerts. I, my parents, God bless them. I still thank my parents for doing this. But like I was the girl that like camped outside the record store, like before you could buy tickets online to Uh buy tickets. (laughs) My parents took me to camp out. Like I spent the night. It was serious. That is and awesome. Like, <laughs> I, but you can watch that whole uh, Madison Square Garden a, like concert on YouTube. By the way, it's on there. Oh my god, I I can't. Yeah, you have to do it. I don't know how many twenty five <laughs> or whatever year old I was at the time. How many mid twenty guys that you know that would be doing the choreography, watching and dancing around in my living room, trying to get down all the dance moves. That's I probably shouldn't be telling the world that, but it is what it is, man. <laughs> Let me ask you this, okay? Do you have any specific, like, sports dating requirements in your life? And I'm not talking, like, skin color or height or weight or agent. Like, I mean, more like, do you prefer to date someone who's, like, a Baltimore Ravens fan? Or do you prefer maybe that they're not? Like you said, your your father was a Dallas Cowboys fan. Do you, do you prefer that they at least like football and sports? Do you have a specific, like, sports type of person that you look for? I mean, no, not really. Just they have to respect when I'm like doing my work. Like that's something that just comes with it. Like I had an ex-boyfriend, this was a couple years ago, tell me I liked football too much, complained to me that that's like all we did on Sundays. (laughs) And (laughs) like my question was like, what else is there to do on a Sunday in the wintertime when it's snowing? What else is there to do? If you have any ideas, like be my guest. But like, I mean, obviously that relationship ended, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I just, I don't know. Let me ask you this. You're a, you're a very attractive woman and I'm sure that guys are trying to kick it to you on Twitter, whether it's publicly in your mentions or maybe trying to slide in your DMs, stuff like that. Be honest here. Let's be honest. This is a podcast. Be honest. How often does that happen? Um, all the time. Yeah, I can't. And, I was, like, yeah. <laughs> some like mostly like it's just funny. I mean, some of them are some of them are like good lines, and I will literally respond back and be like, "That's a really good line." Like, you know, I really respect that, but no, um, <laughs> you know, just <laughs> I don't know. There's a there's a line between like being creepy right. and being funny, and I think a lot of guys like don't know where that line is yeah well that's exactly where i was going to go with my next question obviously i'm kind of making light here of dudes trying to shoot their shot with you on twitter things like that but jokes aside it could be kind of creepy in a way because some people whether it's that catfishing or just being a weirdo or in some cases maybe even a psycho that it's got to have you guarded and worried so I know from conversations that we've had because of reasons like that, you're a very guarded person and you don't like to put a lot of personal information out there about yourself. And I don't blame you whatsoever. Weirdos and things like that on Twitter, they make you guarded. 
Yeah, I mean, I don't post about like my relationship or anything like that. I don't, you know, I don't want to involve anybody else in everything that goes around because if you read my mentions on any given day, it's, I mean, 89% of them are just insanely obnoxious. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I can't think of a better way to put it, but um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. I'm just. I'm I'm a private person like a lot of times like people would like think that I like go out all the time and party all the time like my ideal night is literally cooking dinner having a glass of wine while I cook dinner and then I'll watch Grey's Anatomy and go to bed at 10 o'clock like <laughs> I was gonna ask you that man that's another thing I've learned from your Twitter you are pretty fond of uh pretty fond of consuming some wine on especially on the weekends and stuff like that sometimes you gotta let your like inner wine will come out right yeah, I mean, I I definitely don't, uh, like, sometimes I'll, and obviously if I have a hard day, like, I'll have a glass of wine or whatever, sure. but normally during, like, the week I don't really drink, you know, I like to, I like to work out, so I like to kind of be, like, mindful of that, but, I mean, Friday and Saturday nights, like, pretty much I'll have, like, some wine. <laughs> <laughs> hey, man, you gotta do what you gotta do, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> couple things here as we wrap up. I've seen... Through the a couple of years now, because I followed you for quite a while and I've never like understood this. So now I'm about to get an education from you right now. All right. I've seen tons of Matt Ryan hate from you over the last few <laughs> years. Why are you mad at Matt Ryan? What's up with that? So the whole thing started as like just Joe Flacco and Matt Ryan were both drafted the same year. And it kind of started as like a joke between like my friends and I. Just, I don't even, like, honestly, I don't even really know how it started, but I just, like, kept it going and kept it going. And, like, the thing that keeps it going is just the Falcons fans get so mad every single time. And then at the same time, they're like, why do you talk about him so much? And I'm like, because you get so mad and it's so funny. <laughs> and, like, it's, um like, I can, it, it's become, like, a talent of mine, honestly, to find any situation and relate it to Matt Ryan's shortcomings is just. I've noticed that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like I the in real life like I don't actually hate him. He knows I don't actually hate him. Like I sent him a gift when like his kids were born. Like it's all just for I'm not going to say it's all just for show because it is funny and it I mean, but I don't know. I don't actually hate him, but it's Yeah, you got to have a gimmick. We all we all we all have some kind of gimmick. You know what I mean? You got to have a catchphrase or a gimmick <laughs> and stuff like that. I think it's hilarious, man. I love it. Nothing. Yeah, and like a lot of people will tweet will tweet me and be like, "Oh my gosh, like I just saw like the replay of the Super Bowl and I immediately thought of you." Like that that means I'm doing something right, you know. <laughs> when it comes to your blogging, for you, what's the most fun thing about blogging? And conversely, what's the most annoying thing? Where once in a while it's like, "Ugh, I really need to find the motivation to do this because I just don't want to do it right now." Yeah, I mean, especially like around now when there's not a lot going on, right. um, it's it can be hard to find something to write about. And like in that in that case, like thankfully, like I don't have somebody above me telling me I need to write something by this date. If there's nothing to write about and I'm not feeling anything, then I just won't write that night or I just won't say anything that day. I'm not like too hard on myself that way. Um, but the thing I like about it most is to be able to express my opinion to the masses, um, regardless if people disagree, regardless if people agree, um, because everything you say, somebody's going to agree with, somebody's going to disagree with, somebody's going to have strong feelings about it, and vice versa. But to be able to say what I think about like a subject that I'm really passionate about and knowledgeable about, I think is a great thing. 
one thing that definitely makes me a fan of your work and what you do is that you're very willing to engage with someone, a conversation on Twitter, whether they agree with you or whether they don't, it doesn't necessarily have to be complimentary. Long as it's done somewhat respectfully. And sometimes I guess even when it's not, you're always more than willing to engage with somebody. I kind of respect that about you. Yeah. And there's like, there's like, again, like I said before, there's a line that you can cross where it's like, if you're going to disagree with me and, and be respectful at the same time, then I will gladly debate with you. Like I debated with Kurt Warner yesterday about the whole Joe Flacco situation. And like, we disagreed, but it doesn't mean we have to call each other names over it, you right. know? Um, and I'm somebody that like, and this can be like a touchy subject while you, well, when you talked about like DMs and stuff like that, but I go through every single day every single day around this time, usually when I'm like relaxed and like sitting down, maybe watching Grey's Anatomy. Um, <laughs> but I will go through when anybody like who DMs me within reason to either say, Oh my gosh, I like really liked what you wrote today. Or I like what you write, you know, keep tweeting or whatever. Like I always go through my DMS and like, say thank you and respond to them. How do you react to, and I'm sure there's a small percentage out there of idiots who say, well, Lindsay doesn't know shit about sports. She's just hot. That's the reason why people gravitate towards her and pay attention to what she writes. Does that really get under your skin? I know it would for me. I mean, sure. But at the end of the day, you have to realize that A, they're probably jealous of me right. because they're not able to do it. Or B, they're just bored. And I mean, either of those things is not worth my time. So good stuff, man. Good answer. All right, everyone. <laughs> give Lindsay a follow on Twitter at Lindsay. Okay. That's Lindsay with a. E and two Y's. I'll put a link in the show notes. Also check her out on her website, lindsayok.com. Again, I'll put that in the show notes as well. Thanks a lot, Lindsay. This was fun, man. This was really cool. I'm glad everyone got a chance to get to, hopefully everyone got a chance to get to know you a little better. Good stuff. Yeah, thank you. It was a long time coming, but thanks. Hi. My name is Matt Cundell, and this portion of the Moranalytics podcast is powered by my company, MattCundellVoice.com. If you need a voice for your company videos, narration, e-learning, maybe it's your radio or TV ad, or even your phone system, consider using my voice to tell your story. I'm not only a sponsor of this podcast, I'm also a regular listener, wrestling fan, and longtime supporter of the Buffalo Bills. For more, check out MattCundellVoice.com or click on the link in the show notes. All right, after a couple weeks, the running with Joe is back. Joe from New York City. I just had on Lindsay OK. I guess this is the episode where nobody likes to reveal what their real last name is. It's like I got CIA freaking guest on today. What's going on, man? What's up? You don't, you don't need my fucking last name, bro. Okay, get out of here. Okay, I'm Joe. That's it. That's all you need to know. You're just the best Joe. Joe in the world. You're the best Joe, Joe just man. Like, just like Samoa Joe. We don't know Joe's last name. It's Samoa Joe. And that's it. Or The Rock. We don't know The Rock's last name in wrestling. He's The Rock. All right. Fair enough, man. Yo, did you see that uh, I got my ass kicked on Twitter because of a tweet I had on Tuesday? I said, and by the way, for the record, I stand by that tweet. I said that I would trade the Sabres, Bandits, and Bisons, all of them, for an NBA franchise tomorrow. And I'm doubling down right here on this show because I completely meant that. I didn't say it for effect. I legitimately feel that way. Some of the comments and some of the gifts were colorful. I admit that. Maybe the best one, and I saw that you replied to this one. The best comment was some dude named Pat, a fellow Pat, who said, 
I'm disgusted to share a first name with you. Get out of our city, you Mark ass. Dude was dropping a wrestling term on me, man. I like it. <laughs> you, you definitely are Mark, you Mark ass. <laughs> I, I, don't, I, I didn't even bother responding back that, yo, I don't even live in Buffalo or anything like that. Listen, I real quick, man, I, I get it. This is just my personal preference. I know Buffalo is a hockey town. I know how important the city is, or the Sabres are to the city. I know that. I know that, generally speaking, an NBA franchise would not be as popular as an NHL team is. And that doesn't even count the bandits and the Bisons. I'm just talking about the Sabres. But that's just my personal preference, man. I would rather have an NBA team. It seems like every NBA team nowadays has a superstar. I just like basketball better. I'm just not that much of a hockey guy, man. I'm just not. Well, uh, well, a few things. One, I actually, back in the Buffalo Winds website heyday, we had a piece that was basically the same thing. And it may have came out. I don't remember. Like, I didn't, I don't think I wrote it, but someone did where it's like, would you rather have a hockey team or an NBA team? And the writer wanted an NBA team. And you, and he got the same vitriol like you got where some people wanted one. Some people were like, get the fuck out of here with that shit. <laughs> um, I actually, if you look at the TV ratings and I'm, I've, I've seen this before where I've looked this up where there's the same. Okay. Hockey in general with, Buffalo, it's it's the most viewed city when it comes to hockey, like right. in America. Yep. But their ratings are equal to when they're watching the NBA. Like almost they're almost identical. I've seen Alan Pergamon post stories about like the ratings where the ratings for hockey games in Buffalo are the same as the ratings for NBA playoff games. You know, same thing. They're they're neck to neck. So don't don't sit here and think like there's not an NBA following in Buffalo. There is. And I think I think what you and this is like, and I agree with you, by the way, I would completely take a fucking NBA team over a hockey team. I would have took a hockey, an NBA team in the nineties over a hockey team. And look, I like the Sabres, you know, I'm, I'm fine with them, but I like the NBA more. There's nothing wrong with that. Right. And I think sometimes what happens is with hockey fans and even Sabres fans, they get very territorial about their sport where it's like, it gets into this, please like us and let's go and kill anyone who shows any ounce of like disrespect to that sport. And that's what I think you got a lot of like, get out of here. Hockey is the greatest. Hockey's not the greatest. Okay. I'm sorry. It's, it's a fine sport, but if it was the greatest as like people who come flying into your mentions want to say, wouldn't it be like the number, like in the top three, like for cable ratings in America, it's not, it doesn't do that well, you know, in comparison to any of the other things. I mean, wrestling does better. So like, I don't want to hear people, like that does that does kind of trigger me a little bit, to be honest with you. When people get like, "No, what are you talking about?" Like, come on, like it's NBA is much better. It's a star driven league, and if you're into this whole cocoon of acceptance, like wanting national acceptance and all that sort of jazz, you get that more with the NBA than you will with the, with the NHL. Okay, like if the any if the Sabers had or if any NBA team had someone in Buffalo. And they had a star player there, like Kyrie Irving or whatever. Don't you think that's going to get a little bit more head, you know, play than Jack Eichel with the Sabers? Like, of course yeah. it is. It's not even going to be close. So, yeah, sorry, I'm with you on this, on that. You know, that's the first time I've probably agreed with you on a fucking sports take in, in <laughs> well, thirty I mean, years. There probably were, there were a lot of people who I think it's up to like six hundred likes. So don't get me wrong, a lot more people dislike it. Six hundred, yeah, Jesus. man. There's there's basketball fans here too. Let me say this though. The thing about hockey as compared to the other sports, like NFL, I don't need to have a Buffalo team in Buffalo to, to just like the NFL. I don't need to have one specific NBA team to root for to like the NBA. I like the leagues. In hockey, I only watch Sabre games 
I'm never going to be spending a Saturday night watching freaking San Jose play Dallas on a Saturday night. I'm just not going to do it. The NBA, I might watch the Los Angeles Lakers play the Golden State Warriors on a Friday night at 10 o'clock. I won't do that in the NHL if it's not the Sabres. And frankly, the Sabres have stunk for so long now that they've really, and I'm not exaggerating here, they have, honest to God, made me lose my interest in hockey because I've watched such a shitty product now for, what, eight years running? For the majority of the last decade and a half, I've watched shit hockey, and it's boring. Sabres hockey's boring, and I don't care about the rest of the league, so I'm at a point now where I just don't care about hockey that much anymore. I'm being completely honest there. I agree with you. And let me say this. I mean, economically, I don't think, and we're off the beaten path, but I don't give a shit. It's my podcast now. Um, We, NBA probably wouldn't do well in Buffalo because the NBA tickets, in comparison to hockey tickets, are ridiculous. Like, NBA courtside tickets cost you like $1,000 for a game. Okay, that's that's not flying in Buffalo, okay? So I, I'm, in terms of economics, I know it's, like, again, a little bit different, but tush, like that wouldn't, it would, it just wouldn't fly economically like on a going to the stadium routine. But in terms of ratings and like in terms of people watching, I think it would do, it would do really well, especially if that basketball team was a really good team, you know, come on, like it's Buffalo. Buffalo loves winners, especially if they come through here, you know, and they'll, blow them and and be and watch them it's a sports do you agree style. with me you're more of a sabers fan than an nhl fan are you watching oh, the rangers yeah. play the devils on a, on a saturday afternoon oh my god no i barely i i used to like watch nhl games more often like 10 12 years ago and now i'm just like eh. no i you know i watch more of nba than i i i have not watched i've watched a few nhl playoff games and when i say i'm watching them it's on in the background while i'm doing, doing work something on my else. laptop right yeah yeah absolutely yeah, man like, i'm not calling my friend up to go yo we gotta go watch that bot that boston kane series at the pub and like watch it no i'm calling my friend to go hey let's watch that golden state trailblazers game and see what happens that's and that's that's a shoot that's not me bullshitting that's a shoot all right game of thrones here i want to spend the majority of our segment talking about the show because This Sunday is literally the final episode ever of the series. Season eight has been kind of an enigma. I think like the first seven seasons were universal where everybody liked them. But this last season, and I don't know why, maybe it's just because there's so much more mainstream people watching the show and enjoying the show that maybe some of the more hardened fans are getting angry with the way things are playing out. I don't know. But here's what I do know. When I read... And after I watch every show, man, I spend hours and hours and hours every single week going on YouTube and watching every video breakdown of the show or reading every post and article that I could get my eyes on on the internet. And the negativity for this season is far, far, far more than it's been probably in the first seven seasons combined. Are you bothered by that a little bit? It's, it's, I don't know if it's, look, everyone has a right to an opinion and I don't think this, this season has been horrible or disappointing. I think it's been fine. It's been good. There are flaws, which I'm sure we'll get to. But I think the show has become such a monster where it's like it's like a sporting event. It's like First Take or ESPN where it's like we need to dive into every single fucking angle and dissect it and, and go, well, you know, let's poke holes at it or let's accentuate how amazing it is. Well, it's not really that amazing. And I think that's where we're at right now, where it's just it's just annoying, where it's just too much coverage of it. And you're right. Like I've I talked to a friend of mine who she's been there since like day one, you know, with the show. Mm-hmm. And she watches it about a day after it it premieres. But she'll go on Twitter 
and see everyone talking about it. And she has said, like, every episode before, she's like, man, I'm, I'm probably going to hate this episode because every person on Twitter hates it. Then she watches, she's like, oh, it wasn't bad. It was fine. I'm, I will go down with the ship because, look, I do love that show. I, I told a friend of mine, look, I'm like, I'm like the John Murphy of Thrones. Like, I'll spin it and go, hey, you know, I, I get it. But, like, it's still good. It's still entertaining. But, you know, I get it. I love it, you know. But I tend to think if you are a fan that really likes deep stories with layers to it and the politics of the, of the show, you probably are not happy with it, okay? And I admit there are some story – you know, plot plot holes in this whole season. Now, if you're someone who loves just batshit crazy violence, crazy people going nuts, and just, you know, fucking sorcery, this season's been great. Like, the action has been awesome. It's probably been the best action series, you know, action episodes ever. Yeah. And, and that's how I view it a little bit. Well, I'm, I got five nitpicks that I want to run down with you and I want to get sure. your take on them. But before that, there is one thing, and this is regarding the last episode that I just can't wrap my head around. And that was what Daenerys did. Listen, I would have envisioned, I, I talked to Aaron Quinn on Tuesday show and I was wrong at the time. I hadn't thought it through. I said, I was stunned. I never saw this coming. And I'm talking about her pretty much burning King's Landing to the ground. And when I said that, what I meant was this. I'm stunned because I thought maybe if there would have been a fight, like the Golden Army was there and they were battling and Daenerys was faced with a decision where we could potentially lose this unless I take my dragon and kill a bunch of innocent people. I thought she would have been faced with that decision and then she does that. That would not have stunned me quite as much. But what happened and the way it played out on Sunday was she heard the bells. She knew that there was a surrender. They weren't fighting. And then she still burns the city to the ground. Yeah, It's one thing to go to the Red Keep and go to Cersei and burn that whole area down. But I mean, they showed the dragon literally going sideways, you know, up and down the streets, just setting fire and burning everything down. So I guess I I told Aaron that I was stunned and that was not the right word. I was stunned because they surrendered. I expected and anticipated this big battle, which obviously never materialized. And then she would be faced with that dilemma. And that's when she would burn the city to the ground, but she didn't need to do that. And still did. That kind of doesn't fit the narrative and the investment that I've had in Daenerys throughout the entire series. I know she's had gray areas, you know, right and wrong and stuff like that, but that was just pure evil. I just, I that, well, that didn't sit well with me. Yeah. Let me say this. And yeah, I do agree. Like the bells triggering her to go and to go nuts was a little weak. I would have, and, and this, this is kind of another sidebar where I think people are upset because I mess there's message boards where everyone has their fucking theory and like, Hey, they should do this. They should do that. And when they don't do what they want them to do, I think people get very salty about it sometimes, but I'm going to do that with a re a retelling of it. Instead of the one episode where Euron's army, uh, Euron's fleet gets to a uh, dragon stone. They shoot down the dragon Instead of that happening where let's just say they get there and let's just say they 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 ambush them and they take Masande, uh, you know, and, and that whole shit happens where Masande dies, whatever, and Daenerys is depressed. What if the dragon goes to freaking both dragons go to King's Landing, they're fucking up all of King's Landing, bells come in, and then Euron is a who's a psycho, takes one of the stupid hooks or whatever the hell that the harpoon thing and shoots it at one of the dragons, and the dragon dies. And then Daenerys snaps right there and goes, fuck this, you surrendered, I'm going to kill all of you now. Right. That would be a much better beats to her snapping, you know, in terms of that. Now, 
in terms of like her going heel, look, this show since day one has been a mind fuck where you're expecting this to happen, where this character is going to get their revenge or anything like that. And it doesn't happen. And like your heroes die. So it's not shocking. I, I mean, it's, I guess it's shocking, but like, if you, if you haven't been paying attention, there's not that many happy endings on this show. Right. So with her, I think it all, look, there are probably small scenes, you know, from the seasons past, like, look, her brother getting fucking whacked, you know, in the first season. Like, he was a dick. He deserved to die. But, like, that's her brother, and she didn't blink an eye. She was like, yeah, fuck him. He's dead. You know, she put those two people back in cost. I don't know if you remember this, but maybe people will. She, It was, like, at the end of season two, she threw them in a safe and was like, yeah, you guys, you guys are going to stay here and die. Right. And I don't even think they really did anything wrong. So, like, she has those impulses where when she sees her enemies, she does go, like, fuck you. We're going to DEFCON 5. You're whacked, and you're done. And I think the biggest thing that, you know, and yeah, the, the the crumbs like throughout the season, the six, seven seasons have not been that great. But look, it boils down to this. She lost Masande. She lost Jorah. Jon Snow didn't want to bang her. The people don't like her. Sansa hated her. Like these, all these things happened this season and it triggered her. And like, she lost her fucking shit. Like, and that's, and I think it's sloppy, but you know, I think because people love that character, and I'm not a Daenerys. I mean, I like Daenerys; she's fine. But like, there, she is by far probably like the top three favorite character on that show. I've I've gone on enough Tinder dates where I bring up Game of Thrones and I ask the girl, "Who's your favorite character?" And nine out of ten times, it's Daenerys. And now that whole thing is done. Like, how can you say she's your favorite character now? Yeah. She killed a bunch of kids. So, yeah. you know, it it could have been a little bit better, but that that. That honestly, it didn't. That didn't really kill me that much. There's just other things that have kind of annoyed me that they brushed through very quickly, like the Jamie and Cersei stuff a little bit, and Jamie and Brienne. Like that kind of felt a little bit rushed. And uh, well, let me get to know. my point then, because sure, go ahead. That aside, that's one of the five things I said that I laid out here for like my nitpicks or criticism, whatever you want to call them. And that's number one. Right. I, I feel like season eight should have been more than six episodes. These yes. longer episodes aside, things have felt rushed because there's only six of them. I would have rather have had eight or nine episodes at an hour or slightly less to maybe yeah. spread it out a little bit. Now, and I'm not calling any fans stupid, but maybe having a little bit less to process each week would change my feeling. It just felt like because there's only six episodes, they just had to do too much in each episode. You know what no, I mean? I agree with that. I agree with that hundred percent. All right, the second thing in my notes is Cersei. Not that she died. I knew that was coming, but I feel like just generally speaking this last season, she almost felt like an afterthought. She was barely featured. In fact, two episodes, I think she literally wasn't even on at all. She was just such an important part of the series for so long, involved in so many storylines, and I became really invested in how things would play out with her. And I feel like the way things played out this season with her, just pretty much staring off a balcony. I think she was maybe featured in two scenes the entire season. It's like, I just didn't feel like the payoff on Cersei being invested in her throughout the series. I don't think it paid off at all. Yeah. I mean, I would say this, she's been kind of disappointing the last year and the last, even going back to last season, I think part of it was the Daenerys Jon Snow dynamic where they had to really concentrate on that. And she kind of got hurt a little bit. I could not tell you, off the top of my head, going back to even last season, like what interesting scenes she really had. Right. Like she was just at King's Landing holding court. And then, you know, there wasn't that much of her. Like it was mostly about 
Jamie and, and a little bit of Jamie going into the field, like that one battle episode with, with Daenerys and the dragons. But like it happened this season where they just, they didn't give her enough time or any really fit, you know, big, big storylines with her um, in terms of like the satisfaction, like of how she died. Yeah. I mean, you know, it was kind of a movie, you know, storybook ending like, Oh, let's hug each other. in the, and the walls cave in on both of them, whatever. I mean, it's, it goes back to the show does not deliver on all of what you want. You know, Joffrey dying, it was, I guess, good. But, like, how much better would it have been if Arya killed him or Cerse- or uh, Sansa killed him? Like, Or, like, Rob Stark didn't go to a fucking wedding because he wanted to marry the, the nurse and get slaughtered. How cool would it have been if he he did that? Like, sometimes it, it, it doesn't pay off. I mean, that this one was a little disappointing in how that happened. But I think the whole narrative was all about Cersei and Jamie being together. That's always been how it's been planned since day one, you know? And I mean, I guess, yeah, we, we talked about her getting killed by him and they did not do that. <laughs> well, that's number three too. I didn't like how Jamie played out the situation with him. I didn't want him to go back to Cersei at the end, but if that was the case, why have him bang Brienne? It just lessen that his yeah, entire that- art for me. He could have, he could have knighted her like he did. That was an awesome moment. He could have fought beside her like he did. And then, either die during the, the Night King invasion, that would have been cool, or just leave right after to go back to Night's Landing, all right? I got to go tell Cersei what's next, but to stay there, get drunk, bang Brienne after that, and, and then leave. That definitely, that that for me, that cheapened that the, that cheapened the yeah. storyline for me. I, I was fine with him. Like, look, he's always loved her. It's always been that way through the, the season, the series. Like, he's always tried to be the good guy. But he, he he couldn't he couldn't stop going back to the bad girl, you know what I mean? Like, and that's and that's what he did at the end. He picked the bad girl over being the good guy, which I guess is fine. But how they did it, they rushed it. And yeah, him Brienne banging was stupid. Like, I would have just rather have had it to where they're at the end of the up. Like, he's leaving, and they haven't even banged, and then she starts crying. Like, don't leave. I love you. Like, I've always loved you. Right. And then maybe, like, she kisses him and he goes, I can't love you back or some shit. Yeah. And they move on. Absolutely. Like, that would have been instead. It's, it's a, it was, it was super fast. And then the Tyrion getting captured, that was, that was super fast. And yeah, they, they kind of raced through it a little bit too fast with Jamie. Last thing here the mountain. Uh, this goes back to episode three, I guess. Still kind of shocked at how it is. The mountain was harder to kill than the Night King, man. I'm still not over. <laughs> I'm not over. How easy the Night King ended up dying with the stab rune as opposed to the mountain. You know what yeah, I mean? You, you know, you know, here's here's my thing. I do think the night the, the hound or not the hound, the mountain getting stabbed in the head and surviving that was very over the top. Like I was fine with him being super strength or whatever and like that, but like that was a little bit over the top. But here's the thing with magic, and you can kind of maybe count the the mountain with us because he is kind of a zombie. But with magic, there are ways to kill someone with just one shot. You know, you how many, you know, you watch video games and, or you play video games and like sorcery. It's like you got to you got to hit him right between the eye. And once you do that, he's dead. And that's kind of how the Night King was. All you had to do was fucking get a, get the, the Valerian still and stab him where he's, he got stabbed before. And that was it. Yeah, well, not the mountain. Not the, yes, but not the mountain. I'm just talking about the, 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 the Night King. And that's right. kind of how. You know, sorcery is different. Magic is different with killing people, I guess. I don't know. I'm making, but yeah, it, it is kind of weird. Like how it, it probably shouldn't have happened that easily for him, but they've, they have built up the mountain as being like superhuman forever, you know, and we've never really, he's only, we've seen him fight once. And that was when he crushed Oberyn Martell's head back in season four. So 
yeah, they may have done it a little bit over the top with that, but it was still an awesome fight. I love that fight. Yeah, I, I liked it too. The fight was fun. All right, last thing here. I want to have a prediction for each of us. Wait, hold on. I'm not doing last thing yet. Wait, I, I, I think we're underselling the last episode. It was fun at certain times. Come on, how awesome was it when Quiburn comes over and, and tells and tells the mountain like, don't stop, and the mountain just shoves him against the wall and just throws him. I was. I was howling laughing at that scene. That was a good scene. That was good. I thought the Jamie Tyrion scene was very good too. Where that was all really done. good. They've yeah, always was... they've always had chemistry. I didn't hate the episode. I just was stunned well, we, by the way they did it. For, we just we just sat here for twenty minutes yelling a bitching about it. That we was a nit, a... I was nitpicking the whole entire season, not necessarily the episode. You were we I were still, bitching there's, about there's, that episode. We we, we, were, we would we be here for felt... two hours. We would be here for two hours if I sat here and wrote down a list of everything that I liked as well. We thought we fell into the Twitter trap that, that has been annoying us that we're over criticizing or critiquing the show for that episode. And we forget the good stuff. OK, there was good stuff in that episode. Again, the action was great. I thought I thought Aria was great in that episode, like her facial expressions running through the town. Yeah, she was good. You know, getting burned. I mean, yeah, the, the, the horse at the end was a little weird. Maybe maybe brand warged into the horse. But like. Her acting was really great. The visuals were great. Let's not, like, gloss over this shit, okay? I know, like, hey, the plot lines have some bad holes there. But look, the show is still about action. It's about death, okay? And the death scenes were pretty rad on the show. Yeah. Listen, early in the season, especially after the Night King episode, uh, the biggest criticism I kept reading was that, well, this is like a Disney movie. The the good guys all win. The, the, the main Dunn. characters all survived, and Arya stabbed her, and the whole world went crazy. We watched YouTube videos of people celebrating in bars. It was awesome. The criticism was the show lost its ruthlessness. Well, guess what? Two episodes later, Miss Ande's getting fucking beheaded, and then literally this episode, Daenerys is burning Night's Landing to the ground, killing tens of thousands of innocent people. So and and you can say what you want, but don't call the show, don't say the show's lost its ruthlessness, because that's where it's ridiculous. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like I said, everyone, it's, it, the show has gotten to the point where we're over critiquing it, and I'm guilty of it. Everyone's guilty of it. But, like, let's not, it was not a horrible episode, okay, at all. It was right. a good episode. And there are people, like, I respect, you know, like my sister, <laughs> you know, she's a Game of Thrones enthusiast since day one, and she loved that episode. And there's people I know who loved it. They loved her going, like, they love chaos. Chaos is a ladder. That's well, there's going to be more chaos still to come. There's still one more episode. So yes. I want to get at least one prediction from each of us. I'll start. Here's mine, okay? I think John is going to kill Daenerys, but I don't think he's arrived at that yet. It's it's going to happen, but it's not going to happen before she does something worse than just burning King's Landing to the ground. I don't think that was enough. He's going to look at her stunned and weary, but I don't think he's going to kill her because of that. I think... Something else is going to happen that's going to make John kill her. I think she's either going to kill Tyrion. She might even kill Arya or, Sasha, or Sansa, one of them. That's going to be the final straw that ultimately makes John kill Daenerys. What do you, yeah, what do you I can, think? I can definitely see, you know, John killing her. And I think it could be kind of going back to the original, what started this whole thing. And I'm talking like prequel when the Mad King, like, burned the Starks, uh, the, you know, Ned Stark's dad and, uh, his brother, he burned, he burned them because he wanted them to come to King's Landing, feel loyalty to him. And then he burned them because they wouldn't. And I think that's, what's going to happen. I bet. Uh, like maybe Sansa doesn't bend the knee or Arya. Maybe. Yeah. Like Daenerys, maybe Daenerys is going to order him, go kill your fucking family. Cause 
she's all paranoid about her claim to the throne. That's what it's all about. Right. Like she's paranoid because he has a better claim of it. So maybe she wants to wipe out the fa- the, the, the the North. I'm going to order you to kill them. Or maybe they come to King's Landing and she's about to kill them. And then, you know, John comes in and, and stabs her and ends it. Uh, I could see that. I could see maybe maybe she makes wants her dragon to burn John and the, and the dragon doesn't burn him because he's a Targaryen. I definitely, I could, I, I think John is going to, I think John's going to stab him, stab her, excuse me. And I think it's either going to be him taking the throne or he says, fuck it. I, I'm still sticking with my Sansa is on the throne. And maybe he goes, I don't want the throne the hell with it. And Sansa goes, I'm taking the throne. Because if you go back again, it, everything is cyclical where it all recycles a little bit. You go back to that, to when the, when Jamie killed the mad King Jamie sat on the throne and that star came in there and goes, get off the throne. You shouldn't be sitting on that. And he gave up the seat and Ned could have sat on that seat. And Ned said, no, I'm not sitting on that seat. And Baratheon, Robert did. And that's how Robert became the king. So it was kind of like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. And I think John is going to do that where he's going to say, I don't want to sit on the seat. And Sansa's is going to be like, look, I'm taking it because I was born for this. And that's what's going to happen. I'll tell you this one more thing. And this isn't a prediction, but a warning. I don't care who sits on the throne at the end. Someone better. I don't care if it's Daenerys. I don't care if she kills off the entire cast. I don't care if she's the only human being left in Westeros at the end. Sit your ass on the throne by yourself at the end of the episode. I've invested eight seasons worth of watching. I didn't watch it over eight years, but eight seasons worth. I've watched it. I've treated this like a sports game. I get into it. I invest in my team. I want to see somebody win. I don't want no panel. I don't want no democracy. I don't want this, that, and the other thing. I want someone's ass on the throne, and I don't care who it is. There better be some damn closure. Do you got a finisher? Speaking of closures, you got a finisher for this week? Yeah. Well, in full uh, I am brilliant. By the way, what a brilliant segue that was. That was brilliant. How is that brilliant? Do you have a finisher? Oh, because the show's finishing. Uh, you is said closure. Closure is a finisher. Come on, man. That was uh, perfect. Okay. What do you got? Uh, I, I ruined it now. You'll take that part out. Okay. Well, since you don't ask me anymore about the Bills or Sabres, because I'm like now the TV critic of your podcast, and we haven't <laughs> talked about the Bills or Sabres since before the draft. This is before Game of Thrones started because you, you don't care about my takes anymore. I was actually going to give you six different finishers, but since I know you're a Nazi when it comes to the timing of this podcast and being very upset with we go too late, I'm going to give you the honor of picking my finisher. But here's what's going to happen, Pat, because I'm an awesome guy. I'm going to give you the six names of finishers, and you got to tell me which one you want me to do. So I'm going to even waste a little bit more time. So it's it's my RKO out of nowhere, my whisper in the wind, my rock bottom, my attitude adjustment, and my stone cold stunner. So pick one of those uh, finishers, <laughs> and I will go with that finisher. Well, you know what? I'm in a John Cena kind of mood, so give me the attitude adjustment. Okay, my ad- my attitude adjustment finisher is Ralph Kruger. The Sabres hired him. Uh, I don't know who the fuck this guy is, and anything I say is based off what media fans who are around him at Edmonton have tweeted about him. Uh, he seems like a forward thinker and a motivator, and that sounds good. Uh, still, I've always hated... The notion of it's good. Uh, it's a good hiring because it's different as your number one reason. I think that's lame. It's totally arbitrary. Like I love to go on a date and like ask a girl, like, what do you do for fun? Or she asks me, what do I do for fun? And I, and I tell her, you know, I fart a lot and I drink beer 
and she would go, wow, that's great. I love you. You're different. That's why. Like, that's not going to happen. That doesn't, it doesn't appeal to me when you're different. And, it's, and that's not the shit on the guy. Like, he might be really good. And, the, you know, the Sabres tweeted out a video of him, like, giving a really stirring speech when he was at Edmonton. And I'm not going to lie. That, like, did get my juices flowing. And, uh, you know, I, I hope he does well. But, you know, the last three Sabres coaches have been kind of dull. So I, I'm hoping this guy is a change of pace. But... Don't tell me that a coaching hire or a player coming here is great because it's different. Because that's that's lame. The last the last different coach that came to Buffalo was Doug Marone, and that did not fare that well. All right, that's going to do it for today. Thank you to Lindsay OK and Joe from New York City for signing off. I was devastated on Tuesday, like many of you, to learn that a man that. I genuinely considered a friend as a Castro, a.k.a., of course, Pancho Bilia, had finally succumbed to his long, very brave fight with cancer. Over the last couple of years, like many Buffalo Bills fans and football fans all over the world, especially if you watched the draft last year, I became aware of Pancho through seeing videos of him, following him on on Twitter, and hearing funny poncho stories, stuff like that. To me, he had become, right there along with Pinnell Ron, probably the two most famous Buffalo Bills fans in the world, super fans. And over the last 18 months or so, I'm very uh, honored to have become friends with him. I talked to to Ezra countless times over this past year or so, on and off the air. He was a a featured guest on my podcast, not just once, but twice. I'll never forget, the the first time he was on this show, I thought it would be a 15, 20-minute interview, and we clocked it at just under an hour. That, That man could talk. He was so full of stories and Fascinating stories. Some of them hilarious and funny. Some of them serious. Some of them sad. Just love talking, telling stories, talking about his family, how he became a Bills fan, not having any Buffalo connections whatsoever. But it was just, it was a great interview. I I loved hearing him go on so much. So much. In fact, I just a couple months later, like not even two months later, I brought him back on the show. Again, it was. Supposed to be just for a little health update, the little Pancho Billia health update, hearing it from him. Because I knew he wasn't doing so great. And, uh, you know, talk a little bit of Buffalo Bills stuff, maybe 10, 15 minutes, just that kind of interview. And, of course, we ended up going on for about 40 minutes. Talk about his health, how it started to, was taking a turn for the worse. And, you know, feeling bad about how much of a, a burden he felt it was on his girlfriend and, and his children. <laughs> he talked about patience and time and not taking anything for granted. And it just, it just resonated with me. And we talked, like I said, off air on the phone plenty of times too. And TM stuff like that. We talked about wrestling. He loved wrestling, especially old school wrestling. Randy Macho Man Savage. That was his guy, man. That was his favorite wrestler ever. I remember busting his balls some about uh, talking trash about the San Antonio Spurs. That was his NBA team. Not to the extent 
the same phantom that he had for the Bills, but the Spurs were his basketball team closer to back home in Texas. And I busted on him over that, especially after they traded Kyrie Leonard to Toronto. I mean, I, I just, I could go on forever. Ezra was a, a, a good man and his values and the way he lived life. It's, it's a lesson. I hope someday kids out there, younger kids and adults, they learn, including my son. You know, it's like, I've made it a point to try to talk to him about this person that he's, yeah, he's a Bills fan. And that's in some regards, that's all he was, was a fan, but he was so much more than that. And I've had talks with my kid and I want him to know and understand the kind of person he was, because I think that, I think that we could all learn a little something from, from the spirit of Pachabilia. You know, I, I start griping and complaining. Like a little, like a little kid. Sometimes when I get a stomachache, I can't imagine what he endured these last couple of years. But still, even when he was putting on a brave face, a, a great attitude, it was just it was infectious. And if you knew him, or if you saw it, you you know exactly what I'm talking about. And it doesn't matter who it fans, the team, the organization, former, current players, they gravitated to him. They they loved him. He was inspiring, and I don't know, man. It it just it sucks to lose someone like that at just thirty nine years old. But fans and everyone are already they're gonna help keep his memory alive to live on. They already are. I've seen people have donated more than forty thousand dollars already to help fund book bags and school supplies for children on his behalf. And I'm taping this on Thursday. This is not even, I don't even think it's 24 hours into the campaign. I can't imagine where it's going to end up. Actually, I can. It's going to end up good. I know it is. And, I mean, you just got to be kidding me. That's crazy. Um, I'm sure the Bills will do something in his honor as well. That video that they put out was great. I'm sure they'll do something to honor his memory. And they should because he deserves it. And I know that there's some critics out there not so much a critic of him, but they're just like, okay, well, there's other Bills fans and you know who who suffer and have had illnesses and stuff like that. And sure, that's absolutely true. But there's only one Poncho Billion, man. And I don't know why I'm feeling as saddened as I am by the world losing a man. I, I again I only personally knew him for less than two years. It's it's just that impression that he left on me, and I'm sure many of you as well. It just sucks. It it, it sucks. So rest in peace, Pancho Bilia, Ezra. You you won't soon be forgotten. Joining us tonight from the Bills Inner Circle is one of the most recognizable fans in uh, Buffalo's history, Mr. Ezra Castro. Also known as Pancho Bila. <laughs> he is currently, well, look, this past week he's been battling, he had chemotherapy, he's been battling cancer, and, but this is not to dampen his spirit and his love for the game and his bills. Wow. That's Ezra. So nice. Pancho Bila. Can you please join us on stage? Oh, oh yeah. yeah. That is awesome.
Fred Jackson and Andre Reed. What a moment. That is awesome.